new new the invasion just happened and it was kind of like whoa yeah within like a few minutes i think it was happening while we were driving to recording while we were like a minute away yeah and uh so it was kind of like whoa you know because i didn't see that coming right i didn't think putin would invade yeah right like i thought that was just that was just a threat i would at most i would have thought maybe he would have the same way that there was a referendum in crimea maybe there would be something like that in the donbass area and so when that happens obviously then he's going to move in the troops to like you know secure that as a part of russia just like with Crimea. Yeah. Right? But nah, he went full on. But man, uh, I mean, if you look at the map of NATO since, like, what, the 90s? Mm-hmm. Um, the whole point of NATO was to oppose Russia in the first place. Um, and NATO has kept on adding countries further and further closer to the border of Russia. Right? So obviously Russia is scared. This is just some background. Um that like this anti-russia military group is coming to my doorstep right so when ukraine was uh, they weren't talking about adding ukraine to nato but making it a nato partner and increasing uh relations with them then russia's like okay nah and then the u.s is sending billions of dollars of weapons to ukraine for the past several years so i mean all that being said i wish there was that Putin had found a different way to you know secure this but like geez man uh, you know this is something that's been instigated uh, for decades exactly I think like you know like uh, and I fell into a little bit in the you know like there are bits and like there are like moments where you really just hyper focus on the here and now it's yeah. like, and I mean, I understand the sentiment right now. It's like, hey, we need to condemn this and that, and we need to do this. But I mean, I, not that I understand people like you know saying we need to sanction, you know, a country or we need to like you know intervene militarily or send weapons. Send weapons to who? First and foremost, send. I mean, we saw in Syria sending weapons to like who? Right? People who ended up joining ISIS. Yeah. And- or in Libya ended up like supporting who at the end? Like people yeah. who, like, again, yeah. <laughs> like the most extreme elements of society ended up getting these weapons that you're sending right. over there. Right. right. That we are going to send over there. Like, especially like, you know, it's kind of weird that in this country right now, what is it? The total package that they announced was $600 million. That is, uh, I for think, what? For Ukraine. Oh, for Ukraine. Okay. That, that's like half the student. I mean, that's like point. What, that, send, sending them arms? Yes. Uh, they also, it's lethal aid. What is this? Okay. $350 million in lethal aid. And Some then congressional like, thing that just happened? I think Biden announced Biden it. Biden announced uh, it. Okay. What was it? Uh, total. Um, I think total is about $600 million. And it's weird that we were able to come up with that within a few days. $600 million, right? When we are in dire straits, supposedly, allegedly, right? And I'm only going off with the rhetoric because I don't believe, I think we have a lot of money. And, you know, you can probably help out a lot of people around the world with that, right? Not that, that but we're not spending it on that. We're going to be sending, you know, what? what is it, 600 million to Ukraine? And I just want to know what the uh, breakdown of that is. I believe 350 million is straight up... Uh, yeah, three hundred fifty million of that is straight up military aid. Yeah, Reuters and, is saying that. Yeah, and okay. then I'm trying to find out the other two hundred fifty million. Is that just direct? Like, you know, what is that for? 
um, the whole package, right? But they announced that within a couple of days, uh, it's going to uh, this government that is propped up. It's undemocratic. Like yeah. uh, that, I think the, going back to the here and now uh, thing, I was trying to illustrate this being cast as like the start of a war or like a land. Like you, know, you could say this is the start of a land invasion, but regardless of who you hold uh who you hold responsible for this happening it started at least a decade ago right you could say yeah. th- this uh, you would say at least with the invasion of crimea or the uh removal of the year before of the president right by force by you're uh, talking 2014 i think 2014 is yeah. the invasion of crimea to i mean allegedly to protect the russian population in that area yeah right um but uh, obviously there's like natural gas there's a lot of natural gas there and it's like you know they get the, the to access the to yeah the black sea right so from from a naval point of view uh if they can have a fleet in the black sea that underside of russia um that's kind of exposed they have like a defense there yeah yeah and Um, the interesting thing is turkey is on the other side right um and turkey is like vying for naval influence too right on the mediterranean side and obviously they want security on the black sea side and recently i read uh, i think it was earlier today that erdogan or no it might have been yesterday that erdogan declared that he is closing um some pathway uh to russian uh navy vessels oh it's probably i mean i'm guessing it'll be the strait that separates separates uh, the black sea and the mediterranean yeah separates istanbul from the rest of asia yeah yeah oh what is the strait uh um i'm forgetting the name completely but um it's kind of a throwback to the Crimean War, uh, if I'm remember, remembering uh, the war correctly. But I think the uh, there's a war between Turkey and Russia, and uh, I think Britain and France over uh, you know way Russian back. expansion. Yeah. Way back, yeah. Yeah, probably the mid uh, mid 1800s or so, uh-huh. give or take. Yeah. And uh, they were trying to halt uh, Russian expansion, which they successfully did. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, Seems like a throwback almost. What is the strait separating um, uh, Bosphorus? The Bosphorus, okay. Uh, is that what he's closed down? I I don't remember if that's what it said, but that would make sense. Actually, yeah, because Syria has a Russian naval base as well. Hmm. So they may be trying to cut off the Navy presence in Syria from being able to go through the Black Sea to ukraine that's that's just a guess i don't know hmm. it would make sense from a functional point of view yeah and um, it it's it makes sense that all these uh different stakeholders in the region are very uh are ready to act right like israel started bombing in syria i know they've been yeah. doing it on and i off. mean that's I that's a, out to me, yeah but, uh, every week or two i think at this point you can do it more belligerently without having to like really like you you can really uh expand your operations in that area knowing that you know russian forces are preoccupied doing what they gotta do yeah uh, good or bad whatever they're doing it you yeah because they've been i mean they have they've been doing stuff you know uh before the, you know eastern europe i think in the mid 2000s they're doing it in like yeah, central asia 
Georgia, Chechnya, like you know, the, these things they've been trying to consolidate whatever they can from the former USSR. But uh, this natural gas in Crimea, I think you know that this kind of has really uh, they needed to protect that. That's why they kind of uh, intervened in 2014 more so than. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if that is really accurate though. More so than the people, because uh, uh, there is definitely like you know far right elements, far right uh, nationalistic elements that do not view those Russian Slavic descended uh, people as that's the same as the more uh, European Western Ukrainians. So, and those are like the Ukrainian ultra nationalists. There was like a neo Nazi group in that, and then. Um, there was also yeah. we talked about like uh, pogroms against Poles after so, Poland had taken over part of Ukraine or all of Ukraine or whatever. Yeah, it does. It, I mean, uh, Bandera was the guy's name, I think. Yeah, I think uh, the post uh, or during World War Two, right? I think yeah, he's like a World War Two uh, post uh, during World War Two. He's a figure that uh, emerges that uh, so. Uh, the Poles had committed a lot of atrocities against the Ukrainians okay. in the Polish-Ukrainian yeah. war. Okay. And they took over a lot of, uh, I guess, what is it, Western Ukraine. All right. Um, so now they, they obviously these they have a whole history of like you know, like this whole region has a whole history that goes back like you know to the uh, the sixth century, the fifth century, almost of like you know people who uh, had, had lived there, had not settled the land, right? Because it's, it's not very arable land. It's, uh, you know, you're on the steppes. Uh, is that, you know, um, in the, Eura the Eurasian steppes, I yeah. guess. Uh, it's, not, it's very conducive to people who are nomadic. Right, right. right. Uh, there's no uh, there's no way to really just settle down and like build up uh, things, especially at that time. Not at that time, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, what was it about? You know, I'm talking about probably about like you know five hundred, six hundreds, uh, give or take. Um, I'm, uh, probably before that, but I mean, you know, like the, the there's no recorded history of like there's so many different groups, and it was a very like multi ethnic area, right? Like you know, yeah. So, I think the term Slavic encompasses so many different people who have in, uh, inhabited because they're moving around so much. There's like a bunch of different uh, people at different times that you could consider Slavs. Yeah, and there are different like branches yeah. of that. But uh, this specific, the Western Ukrainians, I think, uh, over time have developed a more Euro, uh, European identity in yeah. comparison to the Eastern Europeans who have that Eastern. The Slavic. Eastern Ukrainians. Well, so a lot of them are uh, Russian ethnically. Yeah, I, I mean, I read up on like, so, like, I think like statistics. I mean, it depends on what you consider Ukraine at the pr present moment. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think like, you know, give or take what it was about uh, 20 to 30 percent of people are like, you know, Russian. Uh, at, least, at least speak Russian ethnically, you know, about 20 percent. But there's a lot of right. overlap in these like, like you know, numbers because there's people on the other side of the border that are Ukrainian or, you know, what you would consider Ukrainian. Sure, yeah. sure. That's true. That's true. Um, but I, I don't know if it's like to the same extent. Um, what is that to the same extent? If like the, the Ukrainians in, the, in Russia, you, are you saying that like... You know, there are Ukrainians in Russia as well. In oh, yeah, to Russia. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but I don't know. I, I think because that area itself is like an area that where the, um, I guess, nationality or ethnicity or whatever transitions, I feel like Ukrainians in Russia probably moved to Russia at a certain point. Um, whereas like Crimea has, it, well, but see, here's the thing, like the Crimean Tatars were the, I, if I'm not mistaken, the original inhabitants of Crimea, like way, way back. I don't know how many hundreds of years ago. Russians uh, settled uh, there, right? And now uh, the Crimean they, so the yeah. settled, uh, yeah, yeah, literally settled, like, yeah, uh, yeah. like, uh, like Israel settled, like exactly the same way, you know. Uh, I think I they, mean it, uh, yeah, the nineteen like thirties or so, probably forties. That uh, that's when like I think that whole population gets exported. Okay. Out of that yeah. area. But uh, you you were saying what what about them though? Uh, what was I saying about them? No, it was, it was just interesting that, yeah, yeah, it was interesting that it, it shows, like, all the shifting around uh, that's happened, uh, and that's crazy. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the history of the whole area is very interesting from an anthropological standpoint, first yeah. and foremost. Yeah, I mean, right? but Ukrainians and Russians are both Slavs. Yeah. They're both so, Slavic yeah. people. Belarusians as well. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. Czechs, yeah, yeah. Poles. So there are different types of, uh, different, there, there are different types of, like, uh... Like I'm reading Slavs. Wikipedia right now, right? Even there's like East Slavs, West Slavs, South Slavs, um, and under East are Belarusians, uh, Russians, Ukrainians. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, the, so the South yeah. Slavs probably are like the Baltic states. Uh, you know, the East. Bosniaks, Bulgarians, Croats, Macedonians, Montenegrins, Serbs, and Slovenes. So like Yugoslavia area, former Yugoslavia. Would that be? Would that? Would that? Okay, and. Uh, um, West is uh, Czechs, Kashubs, Poles, Slovaks, and Sorbs. Okay, it make it, so that makes sense. Like, it makes you know, sense. Uh, yeah. uh, it makes sense why those uh, Western Slavs would have that more of a uh, you know Western, uh, more European identity com- in comparison to like you know an Eastern Slav uh, right a descendant. Uh, not that these things you know these labels hold much identity. Uh, much value for the ordinary person or even like in any like uh any like analysis that is supposed to like you know inform any decisions to be made on this but i think these uh origins are i think the these like different you know groups that since it's such a nomadic uh since it's such an area that's like you know inhabited by people who are constantly moving around and just trying to like you know find ways of sustenance, it's uh, it's hard to like term them anything except for like w- what area they inhabited at the end and what uh, and what resources those areas were able to provide, uh-huh. like what geo uh, geo uh, strategic like you know loca- uh, um, value they were. Yeah. So the Baltic states, uh, they're like, you know, the gateway into the Baltic Sea uh, for Europe, in a sense. Um, same with Crimea for both, you know, Russia and Ukraine at the moment. And historically, people who were like settled there, right, regardless of like which tribe or whatnot, they ended up having to move to a different spot either because of this nomadic lifestyle originally but as people became more used to like settling down in those areas it became more to 
more to kind of take control of the resources and yeah or like yeah. Wh- whatever resources or the 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 locate the, the whatever geostrategic you know um benefits value are that, in that location uh, yeah that location provided yeah. yeah yeah definitely definitely um but uh, honestly even in the history of slavs though it is like an, it is very in- and there's a bit of a tangent the history of slavs themselves uh it's weird to you know where they come from because you do have a, a po- for me it seemed like you know slavic people came from like central asia or um or like you know and they, and they moved into these like areas and just like lived that lifestyle until they eventually you know actually uh i think they start appearing in history books for like rome uh in roman history books much like later right a- a- much later after they had settled the area but um there is disagreement if they are actually nordic descent okay or if they are so they came know, they would have come south from uh like scandinavia sweden yeah. norway finland down yes they would okay. take they would take they would come down um south uh using those you know different types of uh different rivers because they were so like you know like they were just like naval people, I guess. Well, I don't know yeah. the term, like maritime seafaring, people, seafaring. seafaring. Yeah, See, there yeah, was seafaring, seafaring society. Yeah, yeah it was <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> there were seamen, all of them. <laughs> but oh, um, man. yeah, so either the, uh, you know, for me, it seemed obvious that uh, Russian people or like uh, there's uh, Slavs. Yeah. Because uh, the over, it just seems much more like you know. Uh, when you hear the language, you, it just seems the overlap is too much, right? For it not to be m- more of a, um, more of like a, uh, a dialect of like what would be the proper term for this? Uh, it would be more Slavic than um, based out of a Germanic like, language, like yeah, Nord- or a Nordic. Uh, yeah uh based on around nordic culture yeah but yeah. i think the over I uh um the consensus has been that they are uh, nordic peoples okay interesting interesting migration <laughs> i mean i don't know it's 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 so it's uh it's i think a lot of that might be revisionism on the uh, it could be it could because be. uh so what? It's interesting because yeah. at some point when this area is being like, is actually like uh, comes together, they have a Nordic ruler, right? Uh huh. And when they overthrow him, they actually yeah, ended up like inviting him back at some point, and it uh. I don't know. It's just it. It seems kind of romanticized in a weird way. It's uh, it's interesting how these things uh, play out over time and uh, repeat, right? For the same exact reason. Um, but at this point, it's it's like you have states, and clearly on the eastern side, um, you know, there's that nationalistic aspect. Whereas before, I mean, when it was a nomadic thing, there was tribalism. And I guess nationalism is like now the iteration of tribalism uh, with nation states. Sort hmm. of. Um, 
Yeah, I think the this uh, the emergence of nation states uh, in Europe, especially like you know after the breakup of the Soviet Union, uh, based around ethnic lines, uh, that uh, it shows you shows you how dangerous this. Uh, I think this crossroads that we find ourselves at uh, of our uh, understanding of government, of politic and uh how human beings are to be like administered right on a mass scale yeah uh we are at a point where i think we see the nation state in its life cycle it's uh the this era of nation states uh it's a powder keg and i, I use that both you know like a, it's like a double entendre yeah yeah this, uh, <laughs> um <laughs> It, it's a powder keg of sorts and it this will um you see it around the world right this is happening in south asia uh you can say it's been happening in south asia right yeah it oh, emerges yeah. around the same like you know uh in a post uh colonial world like this uh i mean whatever you want to you know in a post uh uh in whatever we would if, if in, a, in a in a way it's a post-colonial world Okay, let's say yeah yeah uh, in a post-colonial world the right now i mean of, neo-colonialism i guess is yeah yeah you're right but uh in a in a post-colonial in a neo-colonial world the breakup of you know former co- former colonies into nation states uh based around ethnicity uh you see the detriments of that right now in eastern europe uh in south asia uh anywhere there's a even um even uh a little heterogeneous, uh, heterogeneous element to society, right? Anywhere yeah. there's not a monolithic society, you see these, uh, this imposition of ethnic majorities on minorities or whatever. I mean, you know, whatever uh, different. Uh, you know, it could be based around language, history, ethnicity, whatnot, uh, and resources are usually to play around it, uh, and that's not an accident because these things correlate over time. These things. Uh, this correlation and causation over time of where people live and the customs they develop and the resources that they are, uh, I guess, in possession of. Yeah. And uh, what neighbors want them and what language they speak and what rivalries form over time. Right. So uh, this specifically right now in um, Ukraine, I think, is just... Uh, Honestly, it's a petri dish. It's a if you wanted to test this out in a lab, of um, w- these the breakup of the USSR and these European Eastern European states having to, or I mean, it just you know by whatever or for what for whatever reason having turned into these uh, ethnic ethno nation states, right, where um. What were like so? I've heard a case for uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union being like one of the biggest disasters. Uh, what, in what ways, was it disastrous for us now? I mean, the one thing is, uh, you know, a multipolar world became a unipolar world. It allowed for the United States to uh, be a global hegemon and uh, assert its dominance over majority of the world. But like. What are some of like the macro and micro things uh, that resulted from that? And obviously, a lot of those things are what led up to this invasion that happened now. 
I mean, <laughs> honestly, like, what, what, one of the biggest tragedies I think that befell, uh, has befallen the world might be, uh, um, and that's not because of any affinity. I'm not, you know, I'm not personally Slavic or anything. I don't have yeah. nothing to do with that. Uh, I'm not from, a, but uh, especially if it's so hard, to, it's so hard to wrap your mind around the fact that there's like a state run, like everything is state run, everything is state owned. Yeah. Right. So your local factory, the iron that it produces, who exports it, where it's shipped, who, who, like, you know, who the manager reports to could be a member of the party directly. Right. And all these things one day when this, uh, the state ceases to exist completely somehow, somehow. now, again, it's just so, uh, baffling to just, it's so hard to imagine that one day when you wake up and, uh, the manager of your factory, just because he's a manager, him and like four of his boys are like, yeah, we own this factory now. Everything's going to run the same way, but instead of paying it to the government, you're, I'm going to keep You pay pockets. us, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this road capitalism. that, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it could be this road that, you know, everyone used to uh, pay a toll on or didn't pay a toll on. Now you pay a toll on it. And who is the governor, governing authority? It's me, me with my gun. Or me, got you. Yeah. Got you. And it's because I held the stick before for someone else, and now that guy's not. Just there's not. There's no one else. There's no one over me now. Yeah. I'm like, you know. I'm yeah. the highest government official, and I'm the sheriff here. Basically, yeah. Basically, you know, exactly. Put it into like, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think the you know, and not to make it, uh, uh, you can hear around the world jokes, you know, uh, about. Um, uh, prostitutes and uh, drugs and uh, abuse in Eastern European nations, right? Right. Uh, ex- like, like, I think there's a movie about it. it, it I don't know if it's Taken. Taken, taken yeah, one that or was two a really good three. movie. And it, yeah. it, 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 there's always like in so, like you know in like these like pop culture. There's always like you know I remember Family Guy. There's this like you know Eastern European gymnast coach. Yeah. Be, and he's like you know basically sexually abusing one of the contestants, you uh-huh. know, whatever that he's coaching. And that is like so widespread as a joke because there's the stereotypes come from that. The the stereotypes come from uh, they come from the stereotypes, and the stereotypes are based in you know reality, which is after the fall of the USSR, uh, economic situation was so desperate uh, because of this like new classism that emerged. So the people at the lower, you know, the people who are being exploited had to turn to me either that or like you know the destruction was such that like people just lost their jobs altogether people i mean yeah. uh, i mean if you imagine like you know people the hundreds of thousands millions of people who worked in the military well now there is yeah. no military this is like you know you go home and how you get home i mean you know uh or uh yeah any i mean these it's, again when everything is state run and state owned and one day the state decides to cease to exist which is kind of like you know I think they got to like. I mean, I from I, I don't want to uh, harken back too much to my memory when it, uh, in my memory about uh, how it, the process of dissolution of the USSR actually took place because it, yeah, it's yeah. like a series of meetings that they do sure, and like you know sure. Gorbachev's ass is like you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know weird weird mark on the head and everything, um, but yeah, that was bad. But I yeah, mean, but, man, uh, the result of that is that now you have, again, like we said, a, a world with one, you know, dominant power has exercises hegemony um, over the world. And then you have these states now like Russia or whatever 
that are uh, Russia or China, um, Iran, Cuba, Venezuela, whatever have you, um, that are in resistance to that. So you see, uh, like, this expansion of NATO ultimately being, like, a checkpoint, not a checkpoint, uh, a checkmate geopolitically uh, for Russia in Europe. And then the Syria thing, Russia and the U.S. are kind of indirectly vying for uh, influence there. So that geostrategic aspect, right, that you talked about, you can see it at play. And that's kind of what's going on there. Obviously, there's like the uh, the ethnic aspect of it as well, that affinity. And then there's the gas, the gas pipeline. That right? is the pi- Nord Stream. Uh, Nord Stream uh, yeah. 2. So uh, what's uh, interesting, there's what's interesting is I saw a clip of uh, Trump talking to i think some oil execs or i don't know what it was and he was talking about you know china is uh or not china sorry russia is like you know on top of this and he was kind of trying to get those guys to he's kind of you know speaking to him you know uh and it's crazy he he had something where he like he was like the u.s and russia should not be beefing they should like have a partnership and that would be very powerful so i mean you can see how him and his closeness to like the oil and gas oligarchs here rex tillerson was his uh the, the former some former exxon exec was he energy secretary or chevron or what was he what was rex tillerson i don't know i'm not oh, sure i forgot he was secretary of uh was he in the state department or some point yeah he was uh, he was a uh, yeah he was a uh, he was a secretary of state oh wow um, see there you go uh, um it's so it's interesting a kind of a different approach uh chairman and ceo of exxon there you go there you go (laughs) until right before he became the secretary but uh like lloyd austin on the raytheon board before becoming biden's secretary of defense yeah (laughs) but you know like uh, manufacturers interesting i don't know what to make of it either way but you know while like he, he was uh so obviously when he was in his position as secretary of state he was trying to like somehow whether consciously or unconsciously, but definitely consciously, further the uh, interests of ExxonMobil. Yeah. Um, or at least that was high on his uh, priority list. Right. And one of the things that he pushed was uh, no, uh, you know, uh, no sanctions on Russia. Right. 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 And um, I did not know what the end would be for ExxonMobil on no sanctions on Russia because you would think the export of natural gas and oil from Russia... Uh, would be competitive uh, competition yeah even though i don't know how much yeah. the oil would be anymore because the cost of producing oil in russia i think uh it was so high that after the fall of the uh oil the barrel in 2015 2014 2015 yeah uh the fall of the uh barrel from like 120 bucks or something at some point to fifth like 24 dollars 25 dollars a barrel and Dang. at that point, people uh, in like the Russian market told the Russian uh, produ- producers the cost of production was too high. It was in the hundreds or so, and the cost of production in Venezuela also was like seventy bucks or so. So they also were not, you know, their their oil was no good in the market. Uh, the Saudis could pr- uh, produce it well, and then the fracking industry obviously had to like catch on to this real quick and tr- find a way. But it was also kind of expensive for them at that moment because. Uh, 2014 2015 it was just entering into like the the zeitgeist hey this is yeah yeah what's fracking i had not heard of the term as much like now you everyone knows what fracking is right right the u.s increased its oil production with that or gas 
Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, man. A lot of factors at play, and uh, you know, we'll see how this unfolds over the next several days.